A bright, beautiful 17-year-old girl kidnapped and tortured for 44 days before being horrifically murdered by four teenage boys. This is The Ugly Truth, and today we're diving into the murder of Junko Furuta. Welcome to The Ugly Truth. This is our first episode. It's a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Kensley. And I'm Alyssa. And we're just a couple girls who love a good true crime podcast, so we figured, why not make one if we already know what we love and hopefully what others will love. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We really appreciate it. So let's just get into the case. All right, I'm going to try not to butcher these Japanese town names, but um, Junko Furuta was born in Masato, Saitama, Japan, in 1971. In high school, she was one of those girls who made a lot of people jealous. She was just very pretty and was just good at receiving attention, I guess, is what it said in my sources. So people were just very jealous toward her in several ways. Um, But regardless of the people that were jealous, uh, she was overall pretty well liked and was seen as a very bright young girl with a promising future ahead of her. Uh, She was typically considered like your quote unquote good girl. She didn't do drugs or alcohol and she stayed out of trouble for the most part, which like that's literally me in high school. Like I was like such a goody two shoes and I know you were too probably. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) we relate. Um, But this good girl kind of deal was seen as great from her parents. They loved it. They were like, our daughter's being safe. But from her, like, more gangster-like peers, she was just seen as someone who was really uncool. So that was the situation. And among these gangster peers was a guy named Hiroshi Miyano. And he was involved with the Yakuza, which is basically the Japanese equivalent of the mafia. Like... (laughs) Yeah, Why like, is she associating with them? <laughs> right. so confused. Right. Well, we'll get into that. Um, so it's just a group full of gangbangers who hate women and, like, prey on them intentionally, which is super great. Oh, love that. And Miana was actually interested in Junko, and he asked her out, and she rejected him, which, you know, if you're not into the gang life, I guess he's not the guy for you. Right. Um. And this was, like, a big deal because this is a guy that's literally in a gang. He's affiliated with all these murderers. And she crossed him, and no one ever would. So I think that's the first target that got put on her back, to be completely honest. Uh, But she stood up, and she was bold enough to say, I'm not interested in you. But yeah, like I said, this was unfortunately one of the triggers for Miano that led to her demise. A few days after this rejection, November 22nd, 1989, Miano was at a park with three of his friends. Uh, They were watching literally just for women to prey on. Like, who can we jump right now? And around 8.30 p.m., all the boys spotted her, Furuta, on her bike, riding home from work. The three boys with Mianu were Shinji Minato, Joe Agura, and Yasushi Watanabe. Those are mouthfuls. After spotting Furuta on her bike, Shinji Minato kicked her bike, causing her to fall. And this was basically just just a diversion they created 
so that Mianu could step in and be like the hero in the situation. Be like, I'm so sorry, let me help you. And he offered her like an escort home. He was like, I'll walk you home. And she accepted. This is the last time she was ever seen in public. Oh no. Uh, so Miano led the terrified girl into an empty warehouse where he sexually assaulted her. He claimed if she made a sound, he would kill both her and her family. And after this, he brought her to a park where the three other boys were, and they all sexually assaulted her, which is just disgusting. And after all of these assaults, the boys brought Junko to Minato's house, which is not Miyano, not the high school kid, the kid that kicked her off the bike. They bought, brought her to his house. And the parents call 911. They're concerned because their daughter hasn't come home. Um, but the captors make sure that they don't get too suspicious when uh, they force her to call home and say, I just ran away. Which is super smart. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so they stay at Minato's house in the basement where the parents are living. Um, you would think the parents would grow suspicious, and they did, but they almost chose to ignore these fears because, one, their son was saying, this is just my girlfriend, and they're like, okay, we believe our son. But they also know their son is affiliated with the Yakuza. So, like, They know this? Yeah, they know. And they're, like, terrified. What that, in yeah, the world? Right. So they're terrified oh. that the Yakuza is gonna come after them. Like, this is literally, like... That's what's going on. Is oh, they're just terrified. Yakuza is gonna get them, so they just keep their mouth shut. Like they're afraid they're gonna get murdered. Which fair, but like there's also a girl that could get murdered. So yeah. So for 44 days, Minato's parents chose to live in ignorance of the horror unfolding in their home. Uh, I am in shock. What in the world? I know. I'm like parents, check on your kids. Jeez. Um, but. Yeah, it, here's a quick trigger warning just for the next segment of this podcast. Um, it's very violent and gruesome, contains subjects of sexual assault, so skip ahead a couple minutes if that bothers you. But over the next 44 days, Furuta was sexually assaulted over 400 times. Um, and she was assaulted by the boys, but also um, other men. Like, they would just bring in other men. Like, what? Yeah. It's disgusting. Four hundred times. That's like what ten times a day. Like that's oh, ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah, and they also sexually assaulted her with heavy objects like iron rods, and they would leave her body like unable to function properly. Oh. Which is so sad. Oh. Yeah, and you know you're like okay, that's rough. But when she wasn't being assaulted, they also forced her to eat live cockroaches and do random crap like that. And, like, drink her own urine. Just disgusting. And <sighs> although she was, like, her body was very well still alive at this point, she was hung from the ceiling in the basement and beat with golf clubs and iron rods. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They also would smoke cigarettes and put the cigarettes out on her body. So, like, they would put their cigarettes out on her eyelids and, like, leave her with, like, burns everywhere. Which is... Like, just the thought of that makes me want to, I like, can't even vomit. get out words right now. I'm just, like, <laughs> in shock. It's disgusting. Oh, my gosh. And one... Oh, this is the part that gets me really heated. One part of this case that makes it even harder to stomach is the fact that the police were called twice regarding this situation. Like, twice. And no way. Yes. So, the first time, basically, Minato invited a friend over. Like, hey, let's hang out at my place. And... He saw what was going on. Like, 
he saw the girl in the basement looking like she'd clearly been beat with golf clubs, like, you know? And he did the right thing. He went home and he told his brother, who then told their parents. And their parents called the police, thankfully. But the police went to the house and the parents just played the whole, there's no girl here thing. And they left. Like, that was enough. Didn't do a home check. Didn't go back a second time. That was it. Like, (laughs) that was, that was the extent of that. Like, they, the parents convinced them, which I was like, shocker, the parents are going to cover. Like, what do you expect? Oh my gosh. Right. But they were also called a second time by Junko Furuta herself from the basement of this kid's house. But this is the unfortunate part of this one. As soon as she got to the 911, like, dispatcher, made it through the line, the boys came downstairs and found her on the phone. And so they hung up, and I'm sure they probably beat her and whatever. Um, And then the police called back. Oh, my gosh. And the police, same thing. Didn't go and check. Like, they were probably like, this is the second 911 call we've got about this house. Is that not suspicious? Like, in my mind, that seems suspicious, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Jeez. But yep, um, this just keeps getting worse. Yeah, same kind of deal. They just like were convinced by a little kid or a teenager. But, yeah. Um, on January fourth, nineteen eighty nine, is when the boys decided to kill Furuta. Um, and the final straw of all things, supposedly, um, at least in my sources, was she beat them in a game of mahjong. That was enough to offer. Oh, my gosh! The fact that she could still managed to muster up the courage or not the courage the strength yeah to to play a game just to be sitting in a room with them like and, and she, not be freaking out and she beat them at the game. yeah which and, i'm like pop off honestly yeah <laughs> as you should oh but gosh. like she didn't know it was gonna happen so oh, this was so yeah this was the final straw for them and so they just beat her to death and after they killed her they you know got pretty scared and they decided they would throw her body in a 55-gallon drum and fill it with concrete. Which, okay, if I were going to hide a body, like, that's a smart way. You know, no one's going to dig through some concrete. Not that I'm saying this is a good idea. No. Um, but, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, but about two weeks after the murder, Miyano and Agura, one of the other guys, were arrested on completely other gang rape charges. And they pretty much out themselves at this point. It's kind of funny. Like, it's just... They got what was coming to them. Um, so when the police started to interrogate Mianu, they brought up, hey, we have an open murder case we're investigating and we think you might be affiliated with it. And he automatically assumes, oh my gosh, this is Junko Furuta. Oh my gosh, the other dude has probably already confessed. So I should just tell them where the body is. And he just does. He's like, here's where the body is. Here's where you can find it. And the cops, the other guy that was arrested with him, he didn't confess a thing. It was a totally unrelated murder case. And he just (laughs) gave it to them, which I'm like, okay. Like, it made them easy for the cops. Ugh, well, the cops don't need it easy. They should have known from the beginning. (laughs) Right. Yeah, with all these house calls. They got two calls. Yeah. They didn't. Right. So, Miyano totally unwittingly confessed to this murder. And within a few days, all four of the boys were arrested. Wow. Yeah. So, you would think, right, this is like, they got justice, you know, boys were arrested. Let me just read you the sentences they got. 
And it is so disappointing. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> Hiroshi Miyano, which was the one she went to school with, uh, affiliated with the Yakuza, he was sentenced to 20 years. Uh, Shinji Minato, who was the one that they literally housed her in his home. <laughs> like, they kept her there. He received a term of five to nine years. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Joe Agura was sentenced to five to ten years. And Yasushi Watanabe received a term of five to seven years. And I'm sure this is probably because, like, they are juveniles. You have to realize. And? Yeah, but they could easily be charged as adults, I feel They like. should be. They freaking- With everything oh that gosh. they did. 44 I... days of torturing a girl. A 17-year-old girl. 44 days. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry, but the U.S. justice system has issues, but I I would highly hope <laughs> they would not mess up this bad. Right. Yeah, no. And we still got a lot of room to grow here. Ugh. Um, so eventually with these short sentences, all four of them were released. And the only one who didn't commit a crime again was Watanabe. So one of them like learned from it and was like, okay, I'm just going to stop, stop being a gangbanger. And the other three like went to probably traumatize and ruin the lives of other women. Oh, uh, yeah. So it is pretty rough. So basically this case, uh, the case of Junko Furuta is one that frustrates so many Japanese citizens, they're mad that there's really not been real justice. Like, yeah, they I mean, all got out and they all just continued to commit crimes. So, unfortunately, it's looking like there won't really ever be justice because I don't know how old they would all be now if it was in the 80s, you know? They're in their 50s, so... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They were... And I'm sure... They found her body, right? Like, they took right. them to the body found it, saw the state that her body was in. Like, how There's can you so not? There's so much evidence. And she was missing for 44 days. Yeah. Uh, probably longer than that before they confessed. Right. So... If you just use your imagination, what could four teenage boys do to a 17-year-old girl in 44 days? Just think, like, use your imagination and think, like, 10 times worse, and they probably did it. Like... <laughs> right. But, again, they did have her body. They had mm -hmm. the evidence. It's not like this guy confessed off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Not even knowing he was confessing right away. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just kind of where it ends. Oh. <laughs> that's so disappointing. I know. It's terrible. There's no... No real updates. I just know the Japanese are mad and they... As they should be, like... Yeah. Especially the Furuta family. I can't I'm imagine. Mad. <laughs> yeah, I'm also mad. This case makes me so heated. Like... Yeah. And I left a lot of, like, the pretty gruesome detailed out but there's a lot worse and oh for listeners goodness. you can find that out online i'll have my sources linked in the show notes but yeah it was disgusting oh my gosh yeah was really i rough. can't say anything i don't i don't know what to form that would make me feel better right now i don't think anything will make me feel better there's there's no way to make yourself feel better oh my goodness that's so frustrating yeah so unfortunately this is the end of the Junko Furuta case. That's all I have. That's where all the sources end. Like, there's no... Maybe the other guys got arrested. Like, the three guys that committed crimes again. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Um, but there's no reporting on it. There's no reporting. Oh I my find gosh. nothing. That's so annoying. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, thank you everyone for listening. 
thanks to Alyssa for sitting in with me today. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, all the source materials will be linked in the show notes. Um, if anyone has a case recommendation they want to hear, um, our email is pod.theuglytruth at gmail.com. And join us next week as we dive into a new case to reveal the ugly truth. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>